0: Chapter 18, Touchdown Jesus, South Bend, Autumnal Equinox, 2042 Two months after Lars's execution, Emperor Shane stood with jutted jaw alongside You Screw Romance Books, University of Notre Dame's Father Hesbron, the FN Vodka American Collegiate Athletic Association's Chief Executive Officer, Hunter Lindley, and the Secure Bail Bond National Football Group's Chairwoman, Bretone Mulrooney. They held small pickaxes on the American flag-draped scaffold at Notre Dame's Programmed Parenthood Memorial Library, waving and pointing at the gathered crowd below. The crown atop the mosaic figure of Christ with outstretched arms needed renovation. And, thanks to the Safety First Concussion Bait Helmet Company, LLC, it would be soon a reality. Minister McDermott glared at the monitor, pressed his headset closer to his ears, and hissed at the cameraman on the scissor lift. Closer, damn you! I said a close-up! I don't want anyone missing the veins on the Emperor's forearm, you stupid jackass. Vice President Nettlecombe, in an uncharacteristic display of alertness, squawked. Jesus Christ, who the hell is that? And pointed to the library roof. McDermott tore off the headset and ordered, Get that black son of a bitch down from there. He screamed, Where the fuck are the snipers? Tell them to take that guy down now. A youth, one of the witnesses of Lars's disposal from the Southern California beach, had unfurled a banner on the edge of the library roof that read, One Grain of Sand. Five shots were fired from nearby dormitories. The boy's blood dripped down the building as the crowd stared up at the body slumped over the edge. It slipped back onto the asphalt roof as the banner was pulled back. Applause Attention was directed back to the scaffold, as Micheletti jutted his jaw and waved. The four honorary masons took up their tools and focused their aim on the crown of the Christ figure. The spectators whistled and applauded as the emperor landed the first blow to its head. As the other dignitaries joined him, chunks of tile fell and bounced from level to level of the scaffold and onto the blue tarp. Students of the Fighting Green Boxing Club South Bend Public Schools gathered up the relics like an army of leprechauns and set them in crates to be sold online with the proceeds going to their respective schools' athletic programs. Portiana Leviathan nodded from her seat. The football helmet will be a fine addition to the mosaic lance. Yes, Portiana. "'he tasted the bitterness of his hollow answer. "'We really should be getting to the airport. "'They'll wait for us. What's your rush?' "'You seem agitated. Is there a problem?' "'None whatsoever.' "'Well, good. We've got a lot to take care of when we return. "'We need to be at the top of our game for the new crop. "'The emperor is most interested.' "'Yes, ma'am, of course.' I'm ready. He pulled out Carlyle's watch and fussed with the chain, formulating his own escape plan. The emperor silenced the crowd with a wave of his hand. My dear people, it is with great pride that we will be able to once again unite church and state without any meddlesome foreign sect. As in the days of Constantine the Great, We will have one who will rule all, with a peace unknown since 476 A.D. No one dared, or knew to, correct him for confusing the date of the final collapse of Rome in 476 with the reign of Constantine a century and a half earlier. The Emperor returned to the White House and went to bed that night, wrapped in glory. "'Lance arrived back at the capital with Porciana. "'Fix me a drink, will you, Lance?' "'Certainly.' "'He poured the scotch and soda and brought it to her on the veranda. "'I'll be in my room.' "'He walked in and closed the door. "'He set Carlyle's watch on the nightstand and sat on the bed, "'reaching into a drawer for the pillbox. "'He laid back, took out the lone capsule,' put it between his teeth, and bit down. In South Bend, the Notre Dame campus was brighter than usual, given the uplighting put in place after the renovated mosaic was dedicated the previous day. The process of disposing the library's banned book collection had just begun as the mortar around the newly dedicated football helmet was drying. The security guards had been checking their text messages, but none of them saw anyone go in or out of the building. They only saw the flash, heard the explosions, and felt the concrete, metal, and glass falling on their backs as the entire library was demolished. Both the Emperor and the Information Minister hoped this planned detonation and blaming the alleged anti-imperialist insurgents would bring down the resistance movement with equal effectiveness and finality. Two months after their clandestine arrival at the Lake Michigan shack, Addie and Rio had been moved to a secure refuge in Evanston, just north of Chicago. Cliff assured them of their safety and, more importantly, of their anonymity in the lakeside community that prided itself on solitude. Rio sat on the back porch with the coffee Addie had just made. The sunrise over the lake was a hazy but pleasant memory of his pre guild life. He scribbled on a notepad then looked up at her when she pulled the chair closer to him. She kissed the top of his head and sat next to him. So Cliff knows who they are. He nuzzled his head onto her shoulder. Did he give you any names? No, he's keeping really quiet. Doesn't even want to tell me over the radio. That makes sense. The group that unfurled the One Grain of Sand banner at Notre Dame took the slogan from Lars's book before the confiscation order could be enforced and they had nothing to do with the explosion at the library. That was a Micheletti-engineered operation. Big surprise. Apparently, there are cells of legitimate fighters in a few cities that sort of grew out of the resistance movement after the 2035 purge. Only this time, with quite a few younger members joining over the past year. Lars's death just accelerated membership and activity. The guy they killed on top of the library? He was 15. Shit. Rio emptied his mug. When Lars and I were 15, we were... God, I hate thinking about it. Shh, that was a long time ago. This is now. What are we going to do? Here. She took out an envelope from her pocket and handed it to him. Open it. It's sand. What's this for? He looked at her. Her devilish grin reminded him of Lars. Uh, your people? Yup. It's from the beach near where Lars was, um, laid to rest. He clutched it and kissed the envelope. Thank you. My friend Lucy Farrow stayed around after the boat left and the others had gone. She retrieved enough sand for several people, which she sent to those of us who cared the most. You'll have to thank her for me. This, this means so much. He gripped the bag tighter. You'll be able to thank her at some point. She's heading to Chicago soon. It's getting a little too hot for her out west. So what do we do until then? Well, Cliff is beginning to gather some info on the pockets of resistance around the East Coast. He thinks this might be the right time to make some solid contacts. So soon after, you know, after Lars? It's only been a couple of months. Rio, remember, the resistance is bigger than any of us and has been growing for almost a decade. Cliff thinks the timing is good. Micheletti assumes he's unstoppable, and that might be our biggest advantage. How? His arrogance and those sycophants who kiss his ass work to keep their collective guard down. So what are we supposed to do now, Addie? Make noise and get caught and killed too? How would that justify what's happened to Lars, Quinn, and the kid on the roof, and everyone else fighting? She rubbed his back. I don't know, but it can't end like this. At least we can try to make sense of it, or point toward it for others. And maybe someone else, later on, will find out why all of it had to happen in the first place. A lot of people around the world want to see change. We can at least help in small ways. Cliff is at the top of the communication chain in this country. He's been making connections with others in East Africa, and they all think those assholes won't know what hit him when the entire world rises up and crushes them. That's a long way off. Rio leaned back, resting his head on her chest. It was midsummer, 2043, on the first anniversary of Lars's death, that Addie and Rio were clandestinely married. Lucy, who had just arrived in Chicago, performed the ceremony, and Victor Bai Weylin was born four months later. Rio insisted on honoring Addie's brother, and Addie was emphatic about reclaiming Rio's full name.